you for joining us on this Image Comics review special. Every single week, we are bringing you guys reviews of Image Comics day and date, courtesy of Image, sending us these issues early. Thank you to Image Comics for that. Today, we have the three hottest books coming out today, this very Wednesday, Geiger number two, Silver Coin number two, and Time Before Time number one. We're going to start with Geiger number two. You guys really, really responded to our Geiger review. You really love Geiger, so we're giving you more Geiger. Geiger. Uh, of course. Wait, wait, Sean, <laughs> Sean, what's the name of the book? Geiger. Geiger. <laughs> <laughs> Geiger. <laughs> uh, this is, of course, by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, who co-created the book uh, with Brad Anderson on colors and Rob Lee on letters. Uh, I wasn't on the the initial review for Geiger number one. Really enjoyed it though. It's um, it's freaking great. Like yeah, uh, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it. <laughs> oh, bless you. oh excuse bless me. You. I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did, but it. Um, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank together is just. I don't think that they could ever in their life produce something that was just outright bad. Um, and this and this is far from bad. This is actually tremendous. So let's dive into talking about issue number two, which really just brings us more into the world of Geiger and how it's changed. Obviously, uh, you know, post apocalyptic comic books are not new. They're actually it feels like they're in vogue right now, especially it's like the fourth uh, one we've read this year. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. Outside the big two. These are just all over the place. This is probably the one that I've connected to the most. Uh, Jeff Johns is a great world builder. I think mm-hmm. he's doing a, a tremendous job of introducing us to the characters and the locales and things like that, that we're supposed to care about. This issue primarily focuses in on this family um, and this woman who is, you know, working at this casino to, you know, keep her family intact, her, her, her two children. And uh, she manages to uh, sneak off with a very important item that uh the king and his court really want back and that kind of sets the stage for this story so did you guys feel similarly about this issue as you did the last one yeah i i dug it um i think the thing that i i praised the most in our our issue number one review is that um i thought that the 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 book did a good job of um of building out the world and kind of establishing like who the or at least giving you an idea of like who the factions are and and like how that's gonna you know gonna play out or whatever. And that's um, I think a big thing for me in in uh, selling a post apocalyptic world is like, you know, um, I I think the best post apocalyptic worlds are the worlds that feel alive, you know, and and that like. Um, it, the board was wiped clean, but like life is still teeming, you know, and there's there's still a society there, and and that you know maybe it's built on the bones of the old world in some way, and and you know how do they relate to iconography and and things from the before times or whatever, right? Like I think that's what a lot of people connect with about like Fallout, you know, um, and and I think this serves its world in a, in a, a similarly effective way. Um, and that was actually something I was uh, critical about of Noctera that I, I didn't like how dead that world felt and how hopeless it felt, you know? Um, like, this feels like a world where, like, people are still living, you know? Right. 
Um, and I like that about it. It's harder. Uh, it's tougher. It's it's more unsavory. But, you know, there's still uh, opportunities for, you know, for, for hope and for joy and all those kinds of things. And I think you kind of need that carrot with the stick of a post-apocalyptic world or, or it gets – it just gets too bleak. Um, so – for me with this, uh, this was a good expansion of that. Because the thing I remember feeling walking away from the first issue was that I there was like back matter that had shown the map of Vegas. And it was like, oh, there's this faction mm-hmm. that operates in this building. And these guys live over here. And um, I, I wanted to know more about them and like about who they are and, and, you know, whatever. And like in this one, we learn more about the king and his kingdom. We learned how his little adventure went. Uh, not so hot, not surprising. Um, and you get an idea of like kind of the sinister underbelly of, of this kingdom. Um, and that there's, you know, some, some less than savory shit going on, you know? Um, but also, uh, we learn that there is a, a faction allegedly anyway of the American government that still exists at NORAD, um, which is very interesting because that's always the thing I really love too in post-apocalyptic fiction is when like the new world is emerging and that there are like ghosts of the old world, not just in like architecture and stuff, but that like the American government still exists in any capacity, even though like they obviously have zero fucking control over the situation. So they're just another fucking player um, in a gang war basically is, uh, is cool. Like those are all beats that, that I think really make the world feel rich. Yeah. I wasn't like when we moved away from the, our main character, the the green man, um, radioactive man. Yeah, like when uh, when we moved away, I was like, oh, okay. I kind of wanted to, to keep to keep seeing where that was going, but I, I I trusted Johns enough as a writer to be able to continue to engage me, and he did, and he uh, was able to keep me interested in the stuff around all of that because that's going to end up playing into. Uh, and mattering to the radioactive man, like the, all of that's gonna uh, be part of the same world, and so to to get parts of it flushed out more made a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. I this it just it's not working for me. No, he no. felt that way after the first one. I'm not terribly surprised. Yeah, I mm. uh, you know. Uh, 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 Gary Frank, obviously incredible. Yeah. You know, uh, what could I possibly say against that? But like the story itself is just, it's not, not doing it for me. Okay. Um, is there anything in particular that you feel like is not, you know, not doing it? It's, it's just not grabbing me. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, it, Noctero was brought up, and it's funny. I, I feel like I liked that more than everyone else. Yeah, you responded mm. to that one a lot more than I did. So I, I just wonder, I wonder if this, you know, that has something that worked better for me than this, or I don't know. It just didn't, maybe I'm just too cool on Jeff Johns now. I just, yeah, I don't know. It's just not, not doing it for me. Um, so, 
I, I, I felt similar to Marco, especially having read these back to back where I was like, damn, I want to see more of Geiger, the character. And, um, it, you know, it, it pivots from him and we see, you know, this family, like I mentioned, and, and Caroline and Henry and Haley. And, you know, when Caroline, you know, when she, this is obviously going to be a spoiler, but when she gets killed, like, I was like, holy shit, you know, this, yeah. this like this story is moving, you know? Um, and then they take off and then they are confronted by these crazy, like huge mutated um, animals, these bugs. And then the two headed dog comes out and then Geiger yeah, comes out. Bro. And it's just like, like crazy stuff, you know? And I love that fucking dog. Yeah, that dog, that dog is... is so like I'm already like a sucker for like a good animal companion, and that it was like his dead dog that turns into this fucking two-headed radioactive dire wolf is already cool as shit. But like yeah. that is such a cool fucking panel of the two heads just ripping it in two different directions. It's so rad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is great work from Gary. It's also it's interesting like. I don't know if this is an overread, but like, does it feel like the world has kind of uh, gone backwards in the sense that it feels like there's there like people are dressed. Some people anyway are dressed in like an older time kind of way, obviously at the castle that, you know, there's a theme there, you know, it's Camelot's. Yeah. yeah. But even the, the boss lady at the end, she's wearing like, you know, and her goons, they're dressed like, what is that like the like twenties like twenties? Yeah. She's got like a flapper kind of look and yeah, and they they look like gangsters, you know. Right. Um I I interpreted that as that where they hang out, that's the right. theme of that casino. Yeah. yeah. Is Manhattan. that it's like a speakeasy kind of like you know, jazz club vibe. So they so that's like the culture of that settlement. Mm-hmm. Even that is interesting. Why the hell would that be how people would would do things? You know, like when at the end of issue one, when I saw that this whole thing was taking place in Las Vegas, I was like, I I laughed out loud. I was like, (laughs) wow, this this is so stupid, but not in a bad way. Like, like it's so dumb that this is how people operate. Like, sure. Yeah, fine. Okay. I believe it. That's the thing is like, you're like, why would anyone do this? And then you're just like, but that's exactly what fucking people would do. Right. Cause like, it reminds me of, um, there's a really, really good, like minor, minor, uh, side mission that I remember reading about from fallout years ago that stuck with me where you meet this gang of, of guys who worship Elvis because they, they take the That's king so literally and they think that he was like this great ruler or whatever. And they have this whole mythos built out about like Elvis as like this godlike figure. And they all wear like Elvis clothes and have their hair slicked back and shit. And like it, like people do stupid shit like that, you know? Like <laughs> the idea that like in a post apocalyptic society that you would like build a new world on the bones of the old and like there's all these clothes, right? That like the people that worked there were probably wearing and then that influenced their new fashion and and right. like it yeah, it's cool. I love stuff like that. Yeah, I think that this is a very fun book. Jeff Johns clearly, you know, I feel like he doesn't even step down at this point unless he has something to say. Uh, you know, he's back with cancer again after the after uh, uh, the oh my god Doomsday Clock. Remember the the the, the cancer image that they had of of uh, Ozzy Mandi- brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they they brought a similar thing like that back. The two people who were introduced to in this issue specifically reminded me of the the two the clown the clown Mime people. And marionette. Thank you, Mime and Marionette from Doomsday Clock. I feel like there's some some echoes of of things that he's been doing since then. I agree with Kale on that this this has a very similar energy to it. Even Gary Frank, you know, Gary Frank is doing what he does, but it just so happens that because they work together on that book, it, it gives that same vibe. But um, all said, this is awesome. I have no idea what to expect. And that's so cool because most of the time I do. And here I don't. And I want to point out too, like the art is so great. Even the, the panels, like if you look at them, they're not straight. Like the the, yeah. the tops of the panels and the bottoms aren't always straight. There's like a like a waviness to them. Did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like squiggly line. Yeah, I don't know why that's like that, but it gives it a personality that it you looks know, like mostly... they were hand drawn. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think it is. I mean, I'm sure they weren't, right? I'm no, like I, I mean, maybe they weren't, but like it looks to me like it was like with a ruler. Oh. Yeah. Like, yeah, not freehand. That would be insane. Yeah. I don't know if my dude can draw lines that straight. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, when you do a ruler line and it has, like, a little bit of the groove just from the pen rolling, like, that's kind of what it looks like. It looks like they're, like, raw ink corners because, like, you can see on some of them there's bleed and some of them there's not. And, like, huh. I don't know. Like, there's Hopefully a bl- we'll- uh, there's like a, I'm looking at the one where there's that couple that comes in on the bike and then they they're undressing, uh, and there's like blot in like the corner of one of them where it looks like the maybe the pen had a little bit too much ink on the end or something. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, maybe we'll get like a process issue, like a like a like they'll reissue number one with you know process conversation by Gary Frank. In the I back hope so. Or, those are know, dope. something cool like that. I yeah. love those. Um, in any event we are loving Geiger except Kale unfortunately and uh, we will certainly continue to review it as long as you guys continue to react to it the way that you have been so if you like it let us know Um, we're going to move on though we're going to talk about the silver coin no I'm sorry we're not going to talk about the silver coin no no we are we are sorry we're going to talk about the silver coin number two (laughs) which one (laughs) sorry we're going to talk about the silver coin number two emotional roller coaster I know right you just um, like uh, if you're on YouTube, you just saw me click through like three backgrounds every time. <laughs> which one? Which one? <laughs> We're gonna talk about Silver Coin number two here. This is the anthology book that comes from uh, Michael Walsh uh, with varying different writers. It's, yeah. it's kind of rare to see this, but Michael Walsh is the only consistent throughout each issue. Mm. Um, this one features Kelly Thompson doing the, the 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 writing the words and story um and it, it's you know it's a twist on the old slasher film idea um a very very unique i would say twist on it that i really enjoyed let's talk about it i love this walsh is an incredible artist the way that he yeah. he can pace moments out the way that he draws like horrific images, um, the way he makes things that aren't sinister, sinister. Yeah, that one yeah. panel where like the leader of the Mean Girls like has her whole little monologue about the serial killer. She looks fucking scary as hell. Mm-hmm. You can look at her eyes; she looks like a yeah. fucking demon. 
Hulk. Yep. And uh, the the fact that it's a new writer every every issue is really cool for storytelling perspective like you you get a different flavor of like typically you get a different flavor in terms of the aesthetic of a book Mm. but that stays consistent and it's just the the because the content is different but the aesthetic stays the same it the overall vibe doesn't move from issue to issue but you can um you still get this really effective a change of energy from a narrative perspective that I've I don't think that I've ever like experienced on a book. No. So that's been really, really fun, even in the, just these first two issues. Yeah, and I think it's cool how the fact that it the anthology moves from writer to writer, but also time period to time period is very mm-hmm. cool because this like literally feels like a different book, like yeah. than the last issue. Um but there's the cohesion of the coin and like, that's enough to be a through line. That's really clever. Like it's, mm. it's a very clever device. And, you know, uh, Sean Kale and I talked about this when we reviewed the first issue, which we really liked. Uh, we didn't, at least I didn't realize that at first that it was an anthology. And I was surprised by that when we got to the end that it was like, Oh, this is the end of this story and it's done. Um, which I liked but I did wonder how will that translate to a different writer? Will I like each issue as much? Um, and I don't, I don't know that I like this one as much as the first one, but I didn't mm. feel like it was a diversion in quality. It was just like, well, this is a different flavor, mm. you know? Yeah. I think that's my overall thing is I, I, Michael Walsh, incredible. Uh, but this one didn't hit me the way the first one did. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of disappointed about that. This one felt more safe, I thought. Like the the um, I don't remember what the name of the original story was, but the the one with the musicians, like yeah, that first. felt more unique. Like that's yeah. uh, it was a mm-hmm. horror story, but it didn't feel like a horror story until it was one. Um, and I liked that. Whereas this, you know, like Sean said, it's kind of like a, a subversion of the, you know, slasher, you know, camp trope, which is like not a bad thing, but it's a little more familiar. It's a little bit more like, ah, oh, yeah, this is like a horror thing. Whereas um, I think the first issue really caught me off guard in a way that I wasn't expecting. Mm. Um, so that I didn't necessarily get that out of this issue, but I think that... Um, I did like the character work of it, like the the way that, you know, this group of like mean girls um, are portrayed and like how small our POV character feels and that like, I'm sorry, Fiona, Fiona, thank you. Um, and that like the introduction of her right, like on the first like two pages uh, is like, you know, she's this very like she seems like this fun, gregarious kind of weird kid. Um, and then immediately is just terrorized and you see her go in her shell. And like, there's a lot of good storytelling in the, the short amount of time we spend with this character, you know? Um, so yeah, the fact that I didn't like it as much, I don't think is, uh, uh, is not commentary on, on Kelly Thompson's work or, or even the story itself as much as just like, I guess my expectations for it being different after the first issue. 
Yeah, you know, this could very well be recency bias, but I feel at this moment that I enjoyed this one more. Uh, I really like the premise. I think that, you know, the slasher thing has fallen out of favor. And, you know, we've horror movies have certainly moved on from that. Um, but what's old becomes new again. And at least in this instance, I was ready for this. At the very beginning, I was kind of like, oh, what is this? Um, I think it might just be more the way that Fiona deals with her situation of being bullied um, and shrinking, like you said, more and more uh, and, and, and not really, you know, she's losing herself in this very quickly. You know, they cut her hair. They do some really nasty, brutal things to her. Um, and you can see how that could turn someone into a monster, but that's not even what does it. You know, it's this crazy random experience that she has where she encounters this coin, you know, which is the center of this whole anthology series that, you know, changes her and makes her a killer. And she goes after the people who wronged her and she murders them brutally and without prejudice. Um, and, you know, it's a sight. Like Michael Walsh did a great job. Like it's pretty brutal yeah. um, and disgusting. And that would have been good enough, right? But then the fact that the coin falls out of the weapon and she snaps back to herself and now she has to live with the reality that she just brutally murdered this camp's worth of, of girls, you know, her life is over and we're never, ever going to see what happens next. And I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's I I thought it was just just fantastic. Yeah, uh, I I wanted to call out. I know we've been praising the art in general, but like the paneling is like so fucking creative. Uh, the page that you mentioned, Sean, where they cut her hair uh, is a really cool device used there. Where there's like, and it's actually used a few times throughout the issue. I think it's on the yeah, it's on the page before as well. Uh, pages nine and ten where there's a large panel on the left and then two small ones and a large panel on the left and two small ones and left two small ones. And the groupings of three are like the movement. That's like the row, you know? Um, and I don't know that I've ever seen a panel laid out that or a page laid out that way before. Um, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, this, I, this was just, this was fantastic. I think. Um, the next one that they that they're gonna do has Ed Brisson writing it, and you know if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know that I really really love Ed Brisson, and you know most people who who know Ed's name don't know what he really does. He did a lot of stuff for Marvel that was like Cable and X Force, and you know that's all sweet and nice, but the violent is his. That's his. That's his book. That's his wheelhouse. Horror and crime stories that are very brutal and do not pull punches. So the idea that he's going to have his turn on this series is so exciting to me. I cannot wait for that issue. Uh, and we will certainly be here to review it if you guys enjoy it. So uh, let us know. And then I guess what Jeff Lemire is at bat after that, right? Oh, I, I guess so. Yeah. Gotta I hope be. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sick. And he's another <laughs> one who's, you know, I'm like, what the hell is he going to do? Like, uh-huh. I love, I love that, that like, the artist is the one who who is consistent because the book keeps a certain feel to it and a look to it, but the writers 
are different. They're bringing different stories and different sensibilities to the table. It's just so cool. This is, I can't believe that this hasn't happened before. Yeah, I know. Maybe it has, and I don't know. But Sure, but like, you'd think we would know about it? I don't know. The fact that this is like a mainstream book that's getting like attention is very cool. And yeah. like, what a fucking all-star team, you know? <laughs> exactly. Some Seriously. of the hottest people in comics right now. Someone else who's hot in comics is Declan Shalvey. And uh, he did Time Before Time, number one, which we're going to be talking about now. It's Declan Shalvey and Rory McConville. Of course, Declan was on our show recently. So go and check that out if you want to hear more about how this book came together, uh, his contributions to it alongside Rory's and how they managed to uh, do the co-writing thing and just a whole bunch of stuff about Time Before Time. Uh, Joel Palmer was the artist on this book. Chris O'Halloran is the colorist and Hassan Atman El Hau is the letterer. Um, notably, Heather Antos was the editor on this book. Um, Great team. We read this. Yeah, we read this uh, a little while ago now, but we're reviewing it here because this is when the book is officially coming out and we can actually spoil it. We weren't allowed to before. So let's let's talk about it. How do we feel about Time Before Time? I really love this book. Um, I think, uh, similarly to the, the other stuff we reviewed earlier this week where we were kind of talking about what, uh, an issue number one needs to do. I think this, uh, this issue slays that concept. Like, I think it immediately establishes the rules of the world, like what, what the main character does, why they do it, what their goal is, why they want to pursue that goal, who do they care about? Something happens to the per- people that they care about, and it immediately establishes how serious the stakes are. That like any day could be our main character's last, like all that shit. Uh, and we get all that done in in you know it's it's a double uh, or not double, but it's a longer issue one. But you get all that done in an issue one, and you walk away from it with, I think anyway, dozens of compelling questions. There's a strong amount of environmental storytelling done in the art that gives you a a lot of information about the world and its rules that doesn't have to be told to you through clumsy expository dialogue that doesn't need to come through captions. Like, it's it's just really effectively done. It makes good use of every page and every panel. And I... I found myself immediately drawn in within the first three or four pages uh, and and rode that throughout. And, like, when we got to the end, much like you said with, with uh, Eve, Sean, my only gripe with it was, fuck, we read this early, which means I need to wait, like, six weeks for it instead of four. That yeah. sucks. <laughs> because uh, this is... Uh, in a year where there have been a lot of really strong number ones. This is one of my favorite number ones so far of the year. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really, really loved it. Uh, for me, this concept that I love time travel stories in general. Um, so the concept of, you know, and I love crime. So the concept of, of time travel that involves crime or crime that involves time travel, however you want to say it. Crime time. Is, <laughs> um that is right up my alley and 
a lot of stories that deal with time travel get so bogged down in the the house and the, the the mechanics that they don't get around to telling a story that's good. Um, this story, Declan and Rory were very careful to make sure that the story's first um, and that the time travel is just a device that allows them to tell a story they couldn't tell normally. And that's something that Declan said when we interviewed him, but it's also apparent when you read the book, um, you know, the, the, the characters are compelling. You know, we get introduced to the two primary characters, um, Tatsuo and, uh, and Merv, I think. Uh, and it, almost immediately you care because you're like, okay, first you're like, well, what are they doing? How does this work? You know, um, and then you see that they're not particularly happy with what they're doing. And whenever someone, a protagonist is not happy with what they're doing, you know, you kind of feel like, well, I want them to get out of this. I want them to have better. And then you see that they have a plan to have better. But then you realize how complicated that can get. Um, and then by the time you get to the point where the issue really turns, which is when we see that, um, I, again, I think his name is Merv. Um, Oscar. Oscar. Okay, yeah, Tatsuo's friend Oscar. By the time you get to the point where you see he's come back from a mission and he's you know, extremely old and like, you know, I don't know if he has cancer or whatever, but he's got a lot of bad things he's on, like, going on. He's like a ventilator. He's got like shards in his head and shit. Like he yeah. looks worse for wear. It's bad. You know, it's really bad. And this is this is due to him going on a time travel mission that just went wrong. Um, you know, then you're like, oh my God, this is how real it can get. And you think about what Tetsuo's fate could ultimately be. So just so much good storytelling in the middle of all this great world building that uses time. And I'll, I'll quote Declan here. Time is used as geography. And that's yes. so unique. And I've yeah. never seen that before. The way he said that I thought was fascinating because I got that sense reading it, but I didn't articulate it that way in my mind. It's like, yeah, like I like the idea that the times are places that they go, right. you know, and like um, I guess it's not totally novel because I guess that's kind of similar to how it works in like Doctor Who. Um, but I don't I don't really watch Doctor Who, so I, I might be wrong about that. But that felt unique. Yeah. Uh, it felt less like, well, we're going to go and talk back in time so we can change a thing and come back. Like, it's like it doesn't work that way. Time is, is static and you're going to go and have actions or whatever. But like, it is what it is, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that was cool. Like, I, I dig that. And I like the idea that like the time travel people like, no. Like, oh, yeah. Well, if you go, to, they're really strict about it in 324 or whatever. But, you know, in fucking 1985. Yeah, there's no Wi-Fi, but you can get away with anything, you know, like whatever, you know, like shit like that um, was really cool. And I like how they immediately contextualize it with like people. Like in the 1987, like the the second page where they always like he's like, kid, Wi-Fi isn't going to be invented for another 10 years. And he's just like what <laughs> it's like super fucking funny to me for some reason <laughs> the uh, for me what really brought some of this like all together was, was the art and i i wasn't on the episode where you guys interviewed him but i i got a chance to listen through and how he mentioned how declan mentioned that you know he he wanted he didn't necessarily want to draw this um but him being somebody who is a he is a visual artist first 
and he can communicate uh, certain things to an artist to like really get them across. I think he mentioned, you know, he's not like uh, he doesn't hold, you know, a hammer over this guy and just like, you got to do this or that. Right. But he, he does have some creative control around it. And I think that Roy Palmer does a, a really good job of um, putting together this really cool aesthetic. Um, the It's like thick inks. Um, it almost feels like a, like a Minola book kind of with like a Landro Fernandez. Um, he, he has like these like usage of, of shadows and this more blockier art style. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really like how the colors have like a lot. It's like kind of, um, I want to say flat, but I don't mean that. Like, it's like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, you know how like eighties comics have that specific, tone palette because of the printing at the time and, and like you have a lot of those like pastels that are flat but make it feel like very dynamic because you have these really strong contrasting colors like it kind of has that vibe to it a little bit and I I resonate with that a lot I also uh, like the fact that each each time has like its own visual identity mm-hmm. to coincide with the fact that, you know, this is not only a different time, but it looks different so that you can more easily identify. Like if you just look at the start of the book it starts in 1987, you know, it's got that, you know, what you would expect that purple, um, pink, like, like, yeah, it's got that. Like, it looks like, like Miami vice, like vaporwave right. mm-hmm. type yeah. vibe, you know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially in the club. Like that scene? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yep. What were you going to say, Kale? Uh, the art is uh, Joe Palmer. Joe oh, Palmer, yes. Joe Palmer, yep. okay. Uh, one thing that I really found, yeah, just as I'm flipping through the uh, the pages for this, is um, sort of the escalation of the stakes as you go through the um, mm. uh, the issue. So, you know, they're sort of – and and you know, it's been a week or two since I read it at this point, but there are like vague sort of time travel stakes at the beginning. And then uh, Oscar and Tetsuo go through their plan. And there are a couple of things that they talk about that they have to look out for. And then you really get like the bomb dropped on you with uh, Oscar's time travel mishap. Right. But then after that, like, you know, you would think that would be, like, the big one. There's also, you know, it shows, like, the boss isn't totally in control. There's a whole other factor uh, into this time travel corporation or whatever. And then you get the the very last thing where the lady comes in and steals, tries to steal the, the machine, and she's an FBI agent. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just a whole just layering of yes. stakes and plot and and it it's mapped out so well that you can you know to a degree like you can sort of you know predict in a good way sort of what's going to happen. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like you can, it's like when you when when a master's at work, like you know what's going to happen you understand the process but it's just amazing to watch it unfold and this issue is very much that yeah um so yeah great job to to everyone uh what a great 
group of books today, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, oh my god, yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, gotta love Image Books. You know, like Image has just been on fire. They, I feel like they've had a ten year roll or something, something nuts like that. You know, yeah. Um, if it, lately, it, it's it's felt like they've been just sort of lagging behind everyone else just a little bit. Yes, but here, like this year. It yeah. feels like they're just knocking it out of the park again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Cause like you remember that period where like Image came back and it was like all of a sudden they were like really like they were putting out the hottest books, you know? Uh, yeah. Like that everyone was talking about Walking Dead, fucking Saga, like fucking Monstrous, like all that stuff when it was like first popping off. Um, and they carried that momentum for a while, but then it felt like there was a lot of competitors pretenders like taking some of the heat away you know and then now it's like it feels like over the last like year or so they've really been kind of like ramping back up and you know i think between all these cool books and then like the fact that like invincible just got adapted and shit like it feels like image is kind of on the tip of everybody's tongue again you know yeah yep uh, uh deadly class just came back yeah sure saga should be oh, due back soon yeah um so Image is on fire. We thank them once again for allowing us to do these reviews. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. Let us know your thoughts about these books. If you chose to read them, uh, what did you think about them? What do you think about our reviews? Do you want to hear us continue to follow these books? Or do you have a recommendation for a book we should be reading that we're not? You can let us know your thoughts at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can get us on social at thecomicspals as well. You can leave us a review or a rating wherever you listen to podcasts, hit that follow button as well. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. That's completely free. Make sure that you like the video, share with your friends. Uh, Leave us a comment there if you want. We get a lot of comments over on YouTube. All those things are free to do and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Make sure you check out our weekly podcast, The Comics Files, which drops every single Monday. We're talking about the characters you love and all the places you can find them. And we're doing interviews and industry news as well. So if all those things are up your alley, I'll see you next Monday. We're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Thanks again, Image.